0: If you have a Bible, you can take it and turn to the book of Proverbs and actually go right pretty much to the middle of the book of Proverbs, to Proverbs chapter 15. This is our third in a series of sermons on the book of Proverbs. It's been somewhat sporadic in part because of different meeting times and places, uh, but we are continuing to look at the book of Proverbs and we're trying to look at the book of Proverbs as a whole. And think about some of the different topics that it speaks on and try to gather all the wisdom that it has on certain topics. So the last time that we met together, um, when I was preaching, we looked at what the book of Proverbs has to say about the words that we say. So if you remember, we said, uh, talk less and say more was kind of what Proverbs teaches us about, at least part of what it teaches us about our words. We could say more about words, but we're going to move on uh, this Sunday And look to see what the book of Proverbs has to say about work About work So we're going to look at the whole book We'll look at lots of different verses uh, But we'll find kind of a theme verse here in chapter 15 that I'll point out in a moment Uh, what What was the first job that you had? Russell, what was the first job you had? Delivering drop, boxes and drug L- delivering drop boxes in drugstores in Manila. Who else has a? What was your first job, Trevor? What was your first job? Bowling alley janitor. Bowling alley janitor. That's great. Uh, Ken, what was your first job? Farming. <laughs> uh, how about Mernie, What was your first job? Do you remember? McDonald's. I've heard in one, in I think it's one in four Americans worked at McDonald's at some point. But uh, my first job outside of the allowance of my parents was was mowing the lawn of a neighbor, and I got paid fifteen dollars to mow the front and the back, which was pretty good price. Um, and I learned a lot. I learned about responsibility. I had to do it when it was necessary. I learned about the joy of hard work. Uh, I also learned that just because poison ivy is dead doesn't mean that it won't give you a rash. Um, that's a whole other story But I missed a week of school to learn that lesson um, My other early jobs I worked at a church summer camp I got paid 85 bucks a week To work there uh, I fried chicken and waffle fries at Chick-fil-A In Belden Village Mall And I worked for Riggs Lawn and Property Maintenance And did anything and everything Under the sun um, Of course we all have worked Even before we had a, a paid job uh, It started with Picking up your toys right or uh, cleaning your room graduating later to scrubbing toilets and vacuuming the floors of of your house some of you kids you're you're learning uh, what it looks like to work hard right now um, how to complete a task that your mom and dad give you do this and you have to, to do that work and that's hard sometimes that's hard for kids to learn um, but it's a gift and kids your parents are teaching you how to work hard and that is a that's a wonderful gift. They're leading you in the path of, of wisdom because a good work ethic is really invaluable. Uh, and it's invaluable because work is a part of our lives from an early age and work, whether it's for a salary or not for a salary, fills our days. In fact, I think often it's the work that we don't receive a salary for or the people who work and don't get a salary that probably work the hardest. Um or maybe it's the work that we do outside of our formal job that can often be the most fulfilling work that we do. Uh, since we all work in one way or another, and since work is a significant part of each one of our, our lives, from our paid jobs all the way to the dishes that are in our kitchen sinks, maybe even right now, uh, we should not be surprised that the book of Proverbs which teaches us about skill in living and how to live a life that is pleasing to God, we shouldn't be surprised that it has a, a good amount to say about about work. And we should be thankful that it addresses this area of our lives. We need to be wise in how we work. We need to consider what it means to honor God with the time and the energy that we invest in our jobs and the time and the energy that we invest in the tasks around our homes and elsewhere. We need to see the the pitfalls and the dangers that we face and also how work can be something fulfilling and something that, that honors God. Proverbs doesn't give us all the wisdom that we have in Scripture about work, but it offers us some some key insights. So know that this is not a, a full biblical work ethic, a full theology of work, but rather we're focusing somewhat on the key insights from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs um, Underneath this, though, is the the assumption, the truth under the book of Proverbs is that that work is not unspiritual, that work is not the result of of sin. the curse from Genesis 3 has made work toilsome. So sin introduces weeds into our lives, and weeds take on many different forms. But the curse that God pronounced in Genesis 3 was not on work itself, from the very beginning, before the rebellion of Adam and Eve, God made humanity, and He and He called us to work in a way that would that would honor Him. God Himself, in Genesis one, shows us a pattern of work and rest. The way that work can bring order to chaos, and the way that work leads us into rest. So, work is not something that is just to be tolerated. It's not something that should be avoided. But work is something that we have to find out is a part of our lives and that we can use to glorify God and even to find joy in the work that he has given us. If we don't do that, then if, if we don't figure out how to use work in a way that honors God and glorifies God and brings us joy, then we miss this opportunity to honor God in our lives. And we'll find that a large chunk of our daily lives... It just becomes something that we have to, to get through, or it becomes something that, that we dread, or it becomes something that consumes us rather than something that, that gives us joy and gives us true rest. In speaking about work, Proverbs holds out two major ways that we can approach work, two two examples that we can follow. It says we can follow the path of the sluggard, the, the, the path of the slothful and lazy person, or we can follow the path of the wise and the righteous. We'll also see in the book of Proverbs that there's a danger towards haste and towards overwork, but for the most part, Proverbs speaks about, about, la- about the danger of laziness and sloth, because this would seem to be most prevalent in our, our hearts and our lives especially in our day of, of easy everything, I think sloth and laziness is probably the, the greater pitfall. I want us to consider these, these two paths this evening, and in doing that we'll see more and more who the wise are and who the slothful are and hopefully who we are. As we think about these two paths, our, our main idea, instead of creating my own, I just want to take it from Proverbs 15, 19. So this is our big idea for tonight. Proverbs fifteen nineteen says The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. So of these two paths, of these two uh, approaches to work, we find in the book of Proverbs that the way of the sluggard is a miserable way while the way of the righteous, though not necessarily easy, is at least clear and open and leads to true joy and to true rest. The sluggard is a fool. This verse says that he he goes for a hike in the woods, and instead of going down the path that is clear, he decides that he's going to walk through a thicket of thorns. Both the the wise and the sluggard have have a destination, and it's actually a similar destination in mind. but this guy, the sluggard, picks the worst possible route to get there. If you've ever tried to walk through a a patch of of thorns or briars or thistles, then you know how frustrating and how how slow that is. When you finally get through them, you're glad that the path is, is clear. But on this topic of work, if we would walk in the way of wisdom, then we will find ourselves at the beginning walking down a clear and open path, a a level highway, not even hills and valleys to it, but just a level place to walk. But if we choose the path of the sluggard, we will just be frustrated. So let's consider these two ways. Let me first begin with the the thorny path of the sluggard. We'll think first on the, the thorny path, of the sluggard that's laid out there in in 1519. Two main thoughts on the thorny path of the sluggard. The first is this. The sluggard frustrates others. The sluggard frustrates others. The clearest place we see that is in Proverbs 10.26. It says this. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes so is the sluggard to those who send him that's Proverbs 10.26 now I know some of you like vinegar on your food Emily and so but a glass of vinegar I don't even think Emily would drink a glass of vinegar because it it would that would not be enjoyable and as best I could tell when we were at Blackacre last month no one was trying to sit where the smoke of the bonfire was coming and just sort of breathe that in why? Because vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes are irritating. They are frustrating. And that's what the sluggard is to people who send him on a task. Nobody wants to employ a lazy person. They're not only trustworthy, but they don't help with the work that you have. They create more work. Because not only do they have you have the tasks the tasks that they are supposed to complete that they are either not doing at all or just doing halfway, but then you have the added task of having to babysit this person while they're supposed to be doing work. In fact, Proverbs eighteen nine tells us that they're not only frustrating because they failed to complete a task, but their laziness makes things worse. Proverbs eighteen nine Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. They're not only frustrating, but they destroy things through laziness. Now, we have all worked with sluggards who frustrate us, but we have also been the frustrating sluggard, if we're honest. We have been sent on a task, and we have not completed it. We have taken shortcuts in our work, and we've ended up making the job more difficult in the long run. Some of us have learned the hard lesson of being so frustrating to others because of our laziness that we have lost our job or we've faced some sort of significant consequences for our sluggishness in work. And in those moments we find the truth that not only does the the sluggard frustrate others, but secondly, the sluggard frustrates himself. The sluggard frustrates himself. The reality is that we're all looking for joy and rest. And we think often that the path of the sluggard is what's going to bring us joy and rest. We assume that avoiding work, or just working halfway, or finding ways to just sort of get by, that that's going to bring us rest. That's going to bring us some sort of peace. Ironically, that just makes life harder. By seeking to be lazy, we make our lives more miserable. Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-five to 26 tells us this. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. There is this craving for, for good things, for peace, for, for rest. But if we seek those things through laziness, we'll never find them. We'll just frustrate ourselves. We just find frustration. The longing for rest is not wrong, but trying to find rest through through sloth is foolishness. We can identify the characteristics of the sluggard. They're sort of spelled out for us in Proverbs twenty six thirteen through sixteen. If you wanted to turn to a passage, this would be a good one to turn to. This is a good summary passage of of how the sluggard frustrates others and himself. This is what the sluggard is characterized. By, They summarize how the sluggard avoids work and looks for rest and never finds it. Proverbs 26, beginning in verse 13, it says, The sluggard says, There is a lion in the road. There is a lion in the streets. Verse 14, As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Let me offer four thoughts from these four verses regarding the self frustrating sluggard. The first in verse 13 the sluggard only works hard at making excuses. The sluggard only works hard at making excuses. This verse is actually repeated in Proverbs twenty-two, thirteen, and they both show how the sluggard looks for any way to get out of work. He says, I can't go out and work. There's a lion in the street. Dwayne Garrett says of this verse, Here the point is that any excuse, however far-fetched, is enough to keep the sluggard inside and away from work. We are on the path of the sluggard, this path of thorns, when we make excuses to avoid work when we allow ourselves to be continually distracted rather than to invest ourselves in what needs to be done. In our day and age, this, is, this, this cry of there's a lion in the street could be when our phone or Facebook or Netflix becomes a way to shirk responsibility that we know we have. When we put more effort into avoiding work than doing work, then we are on the path of the sluggard. The sluggard only works hard at making excuses. Next we see in verse 14, the sluggard overindulges on sleep. The sluggard overindulges on sleep. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. We all know that feeling. Especially now in these colder days, you just want to keep rolling over and it feels so nice to fall back asleep. Sleep is a good thing. Restful sleep is a gift from the Lord. Psalm 127.2 tells us that the Lord gives his beloved rest. And Ecclesiastes says that the sleep of the working man is pleasant. But we can have too much of a good thing. We can turn physical sleep into an idol and it will lead us not to the rest and the peace that we want, but it will actually lead to frustration. We all know that. I know that well. When you finally wake up and say, ah, I can't believe I slept so long. I'm so frustrated that I didn't get up and get doing the things that I was supposed to do. Proverbs 6, 6-11. This is the probably the most well-known passage in the book of Proverbs on work. It draws out the illustration of the ant. Proverbs 6, 6-11 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. In contrast to the ant, we read, How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. Too much of a good thing always leads to trouble a nap on Thanksgiving isn't wrong. A nap three times every day probably isn't the best thing in the world. Too much of a good thing is always trouble. It's true with food. It's true with alcohol. It's true with sleep. The results of too much sleep are not rest. It's actually, the proverb says, poverty. Here, here These are the other pieces of wisdom um, that, that that Proverbs offers us about the folly of overindulging on sleep 1915 slothfulness casts into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger 2013 love not sleep lest you come to poverty open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread 2430-34 30 I pass by the field of a sluggard by the vineyard of a man lacking sense and behold it was all overgrown with thorns the ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down then I saw and considered it I looked and received instruction what's the lesson that he learned a little sleep a little slumber a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man do you love sleep sometimes we do Sometimes because we've worked very hard and sleep brings us rest. But do we look to sleep for our ultimate rest or do we look to God? We have to practice self-control, even in, in good things. And sleep should be the overflow of hard work, not a means of avoiding hard work. Sleep is the overflow of hard work. It's not a way to avoid hard work. If we seek peace and rest apart from work, we will only be frustrated. We'll write over our lives Proverbs 25:28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. No self-control and anyone can come in and take whatever they want. So the sluggard makes excuses, the sluggard loves sleep. Third, Proverbs 26:15 shows us that the sluggard fails to finish what he starts. The sluggard fails to finish what he starts. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. This is the, the comical and ludicrous picture of a person so lazy that he has food in front of him. He has his hand in the dish of the food, but he is too lazy to bring it to his mouth. Parallel to this is Proverbs 12:27: Whoever is slothful will not roast his game but the diligent man will get precious wealth this man this slothful person has game he has he has meat to eat he's gone through the trouble of going hunting he has killed an animal he has probably dragged that animal all the way home he has probably even dressed that animal he has steaks in his freezer but he is so lazy that he won't cook it he's gone so far he's he's done so much in the end he decides not to cook it when we walk the path of the sluggard we are continuously starting things that we never finish home projects sit halfway done food is in the fridge and we decide ah, i think i'd rather order out than cook it but we do a job just enough to get by it's simply not done completely. And a job halfway done doesn't bring the, the satisfaction. It, it, it mocks us. It, it makes more work in the long run. It's as satisfying as food that's in a dish that never makes it to our mouths. If this sounds familiar, if you feel like I'm reading your mail, it's because I'm reading my own mail. I have all these things in my own life, jobs that are left undone, or food in my fridge, and I say, yeah, let's order pizza. This is this is what we do. We, we we leave jobs halfway done. If we see the sluggard in us though, then then we have to, to learn to change because the final characteristic of the sluggard is in twenty six sixteen, and it's that the sluggard is unteachable. The sluggard is unteachable. So the sluggard makes excuses, he overindulges on sleep, he fails to finish what he starts, and he is unteachable. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. If we will not identify the sluggard in us, then we will not move off of the path of thorns. We will simply get more and more entangled and be more and more frustrated. I see the sluggard in me. I see the laziness that these verses speak of, and I know that I have often bought the lie that avoiding work will bring rest if you see it in you then we have to repent we have to we have to turn and look towards a different path and that's not easy old habits die hard we have habits ingrained in us that are that are the products of laziness we have to in some ways where we've gone down this path we're in this hedge of thorns and it, if you've ever done that it's you know it's clinging to your to your clothes, and you have to slowly untangle yourself in order to get out of that. And we have to do that because there's a better path. We have the option of of moving away from frustrating others and from living a life that frustrates ourselves. Away from making excuses. Away from from overindulging on sleep. From failing to complete tasks. From the prideful arrogance that won't be taught. And the choice is laid out for us in Proverbs 13.4. It says to us, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets Nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Will we be the sluggard, who wants things, <clears throat> never is satisfied, but will we be diligent and richly supplied? That's the next path. The thorny path of the sluggard in Proverbs is set in contrast to the clear path of the wise and diligent worker. The clear path of the wise And diligent worker Now before we consider this clear path Of the wise and diligent worker I want to put the gospel Right in the middle of this sermon So that we don't get confused (laughs) We see the sluggard in us And we are all the sluggard Because we are all sinners We not only fail in our earthly work But we fail in our spiritual work We are broken And we can't save ourselves We make excuses for our sin. We avoid the reality of judgment through sleep. We are never able to accomplish our own salvation and we pridefully refuse to bow the knee and admit that we need God. But God in Christ has made a way for us. Jesus is the wisest, most faithful worker Ever And He accomplishes for us what we could never do on our own. He fulfills all righteousness through His holy and blameless life. He calls us to admit our inability to earn salvation and to rest in the fact that He has earned it for us. And through His death, He has paid the penalty due to us for our sin. And through the resurrection life that He gives us, He calls us to reflect Him in our daily lives, including how we work. He empowers us to say no to sloth, And to say yes to diligent, God-honoring work that glorifies Him and gives us the rest and the peace that we really want. This is the path that we're called to and it's the path that we're enabled to walk because of what Christ has done for us. Apart from Jesus, we will continue down the thorny path of the sluggard because that is our natural bent. That is what we want to do. But Jesus gives us new life. Ironically, it starts with rest, it starts with resting in him, and then he leads us into work, as we read, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it's not of works so that no one can boast, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, we don't earn our salvation through works, but then we are called to work in a way that honors him. So salvation begins by resting in Christ not by working harder but once we find his forgiveness we seek to work in a way that would honor him What's that going to look like? What is the clear path of the wise and diligent worker look like? I'll give you three characteristics that are sort of intertwined The first is this, the wise trust that rest follows work The wise trust that rest follows work. Rest doesn't Precede work, it doesn't come before work, it follows after it. The sluggard seeks rest through laziness, but the wise know that rest is what follows work. One way to think about this would be to say there's a time to work, and there's a time to rest, and the time to rest follows the time to work. Our, cu- our culture would tell us that the time to rest is always. <laughs> Check out as often as you possibly can. If you can save it to tomorrow, till tomorrow, then save it till tomorrow and be entertained. Now, find the easy route wherever it is and take it. We all want the easy button, right? That was easy. Let's make life easy. But there's a time to work and that time of working is what opens the door to true rest, not the false rest of our entertainment saturated society. Proverbs speaks to a society that was centered on, on farming, on agriculture, and farming requires work at specific times. There are seasons when rest is not an option if you're going to be an effective farmer. The sluggard seeks rest and in so doing he never truly rests because his lack of work just work leads to problems in the future because he didn't work when he was supposed to. But those who who know when it's time to work hard and do it, they are the ones that find rest. So Proverbs six six through eight again. Go to the ant, O sluggard, sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer, and gathers her food in harvest. We learn from the ant that that they do they don't need someone on their back telling them what to do, but they work, and they work at the right time. They they do what they need to do when they need to do it. What if they don't work? What if, what if we choose laziness when we know we should be working? Proverbs 24 says, Proverbs 20, verse 4 says, The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. He's supposed to plow in autumn. He doesn't. So when harvest comes, he has nothing. If we wait too long, then we miss the chance to work. And we end up causing problems later on. Procrastination doesn't always pay off. You won't always get it done in time. We may find that we have simply run out of time. Some of us don't just procrastinate. We we talk about working. We make lists of everything that we're supposed to do. And then we don't do it. Proverbs 15.23 tells you and me, In all toil there is profit, but mere talk only to poverty. <laughs> Talk is cheap and it doesn't buy you food when you need it. At some point we have to do what we are talking about or poverty will come upon us. Proverbs 10, 4-5 gives us this contrast. A slack hand causes poverty but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings Shame to work when we need to brings prosperity. It's it's prudent. If we choose to avoid work, all we get is shame on ourselves and on our families. Now, let's just say, too, though, that there are some people who don't struggle as much with laziness as knowing when to stop working. Workah- workaholics, we call them in our society. We only need to know when to start working, but we need to know when to stop working. Proverbs 22.4 says, Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Be smart enough to know when to stop. The desire for wealth can lead us to overwork and to never resting. It can lead to haste. Proverbs has a lot to say about haste. So the second thing, the second big thought might be the wise are marked by diligence rather than haste. The wise are marked by diligence rather than haste. Three passages about, or four passages about haste. The wise are marked by diligence rather than haste. 20:21. An inheritance gained hastily is in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. 21:5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. 28, 19, and 20. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. A stingy man hastens after wealth. This is twenty-eight, twenty-two, And does not know that poverty will come upon him. Haste. I just saw this coming out as I was reading through Proverbs. That Proverbs does not have a lot of good things to say about haste. And the issue seems to be that the hasty not only don't know when to rest, but also that money that is gained hastily, that is gained quickly, leads to problems. If we're hasty to gain money, it may lead to to compromising our our principles. It may lead to lying. It may lead to following get-rich-quick schemes, to sinning in order to get wealth quickly. It may lead us to neglect our family to neglect our spiritual health to neglect the church the one who earns things too quickly may not appreciate what he's earned Proverbs tells us that to be hasty in gaining wealth will actually lead to poverty so the lazy slothful man looks for rest and doesn't get it the hasty wealth driven man doesn't get what he wants either both desire ease both seek it in different ways and neither of them get it I'm reminded of then the the tortoise and the hare the hare is hasty right? the hare is just going to do things really fast but he fails to get what he wants and the tortoise instead plods along and is rewarded so we're not to be marked by laziness and we're not to be marked by haste rather we're called to faithful diligence in our work to consistent wise working and timely resting final thought that that sort of ties in with all this, the wise work with the future in mind. The wise work with the future in mind. As we look at the book of Proverbs, we see that one of the great hindrances to work is our desire to have rest right now. We want what we want and we seek it right now. Instant gratification. But as we've seen hard work now is what brings blessing later, so the wise look to the future while they are working in the present. Proverbs fourteen four where there are no oxen the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Proverbs twenty seven eighteen whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who guards his master will be honored. Proverbs 27:23 and following. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? When the grass is gone and the new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and maintenance for your girls. Now, these are all agricultural things. These are about farming and farming teaches us well that that we what we do now will bear fruit in the future and we who struggle with delayed gratification will will struggle with this idea but wisdom calls us to work with with the end in mind with the future in mind so the ox if you don't have an ox in it, it says then the manger is clean but you get more crops by the strength of the ox so the point is that wisdom says to think about the end. That don't get rid of the ox so that you don't have to clean his stall right now. Because if you keep the ox, it means you have more crops in the future. Yes, it means more work in the present, but it means more more fruitfulness in the future. Same thing with a fig tree. Tend the fig tree now. Are there figs on the fig tree now? No. But if you work hard now, there will be figs in the future. Same with the flocks. Present pain, present work future reward we work with the future in mind these things all weave together i think but this final thought then takes us to the to the the ultimate rest that we are looking for the ultimate rest that we're longing for if we're looking for heaven on earth if we're looking for the rest and the peace of the eternal kingdom now then we will always be disappointed But we can work hard now to honor and glorify God and know that true ultimate rest is coming. We can taste that now, but also know that it's coming. That's not to say that in the New Kingdom there will be no work, but it means that in the New Kingdom our work will be free from toil. It will be free from fruitless work, from work that fights after thorns and thistles. We will know the joy of reflecting our Father through hard work, that leads to true, deep, satisfying rest. And now, in the present, we reflect our Father through how we work. We are not sluggards. We are not those who are frustrated and frustrate everyone. We are not hasty, finding satisfaction only in wealth. But we know when to work, and we know when to rest. We rest in Christ, knowing that He has accomplished our salvation for us, and He has called us to work hard in this world for our good and for His glory, and that He will redeem us from all the anxious, fruitless toil that often marks this world and our lives. So I think the call of Proverbs is to is, is to say that let us not be slothful. Let us not be those who make excuses. Let us not be those who sleep too much those who never complete a task, those who are unteachable. But also let us not be hasty, loving work for work's sake, loving money, never resting. Rather, let us be diligent. Let's be diligent in all of our work to to work hard, but also to rest when we need to, trusting that, that the final rest will come when Christ comes. And in the midst of this, we are resting in Christ First salvation, we're working for His glory, and we're trusting that He will give us the strength to honor Him in the work we do in our jobs, the work we do in our homes, and He will ultimately ultimately be glorified in the work that we do in the new kingdom. Let me pray. Lord God, this is... um, There's so much here in this book, so much that you teach us, and we want to be faithful. We want to reflect you and represent you well in this world, and we do that so much in the way that we work, in the way that we go about our jobs, in the way that we reflect you in our homes, to our children, and to others, in the way we work in this society. Lord, there's um, so many different applications, so I pray that your Spirit would help us to to see certain things here that you would draw out some of these proverbs and convict us and show us the truth, and um, Lord, that you would lead us to a lives of faithful, diligent work that honors you, and that we would be resting in you always. I ask all this in Jesus' name, Amen.